Hey, well, good morning, Rock Hill. Welcome to those of you in room or in person, but also those of you that are online. Welcome to you. If you have your Bibles, grab them, open them up to Matthew. This is the first book of the New Testament to chapter 5. We've been there for some time, and we have just this sermon and next week's sermon, and then we have Easter, and we will not be in Matthew chapter 5 at Easter. We uh, want to invite you to Easter. We have these little uh, cards that you can uh, use as a reminder. You can give them to a neighbor that just says you are invited. They say raised, but on the other side it says you're invited. And we have a Saturday night service, and then we have three on Sunday morning, and uh, families will receive a gift as we uh, help you uh, grow in Christ and know who Christ is. So we, we have that for you this upcoming next few weeks. Now, next Sunday, just to let you know, just a little commercial as you're finding Matthew chapter 5, uh, the Riddles are having a baby. And on Sunday, we're having a drive-by baby shower. My favorite kind of baby shower. Drive-by, you just, just keep going, just throw it at them, the gift, whatever it is, the cash, and then just keep going. Uh, but you can come, just come and go. You can say hi, you can stop, of course. But drive-by baby shower at 3 o'clock in our little uh, circle uh, drive in front of our facilities. So those are my announcements. I hope you have your seatbelt on. What if I told you today that this verse, this beatitude is going to hit on something that our culture longs to find, but can't find it? What if I told you that there are many in our church and churches that seek it out, but don't have it either? So if you have your Bibles... I know it's early. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 9. If you're there, we'll put it on the screen for you if you're not. Will you say word? Blessed or blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be sons, or they will be called sons of God. Let me just say it one more time. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The other Beatitudes, which we have dealt with, they focus inwardly on, on what's going on in the heart. I mean, think about it. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. Blessed, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. These are inward, inward realities, heart level. This one, this Beatitude is, is like... Uh, it's like when you're driving and you get T-boned. You think, oh, things are great. Peacemaking, let's go. I mean, that's how this beatitude comes across. This is action-oriented. There is movement behind it. There's something at stake. There's something that we have to be about doing in order for this beatitude to be applied to us. Blessed are the, the peacemakers. What if I told you that the world is longing for peace and they can't find it? And some in our church have been looking for peace and they're not at rest. They're anxious and they're worried and there's strife and there's fighting and they're wanting it as well and they can't seem to find it either. So we've got to ask a few questions this morning. So the first one is simply this. What is peacemaking? What is peacemaking? 
Blessed are the peacemakers. Well, I want to be a peacemaker. What is peacemaking? Now, when I ask that question, I'm not asking how the talking heads give the definition of peace. I'm not asking how the talk radio or the government officials or even that guy who, who has a blog. I'm not talking about them. I'm not asking what is peacemaking according to the culture. I'm interested in what Jesus says about peace. I'm interested in what the Bible says about peace. I'm interested in how God in his word has told us what peace is, how we are to have. That, that's what I'm interested in. Can I just put that out there today? When Jesus means peace, he does mean, in a sense, the absence of hostility. The absence of anxiety. The absence of conflict between one person and another person or, or one party and another party, or the absence of, here it is, here it is within the church. You ready for this? The absence of a little tension between one person and another, or between one group and another. I, I'm interested in what Jesus has to say about peace because the absence of hostility is not just an action oriented thing, it also is a hard thing. See, see, this beatitude isn't just the external, it's also gonna hit the internal. See, see he, he says the, the absence of fighting is, is not just seen in the seen, but it's also seen in the unseen. This is important. Pe peacemaking isn't just being nice to other people. Just be nice. You ever said that to your children when they're fighting with their siblings in the back seat in which they're both strapped down, but somehow they've reached across some invisible border and they're fighting? Be nice to your sister will say. Be nice to your brother. Usually it's be nice to your little brother, all right? It's not just the outside, it's the heart pursuing peace as well. He, here's, we've read it already, but I want to read it for you again in Philippians chapter 4. He, he says this, rejoice in the Lord always. And let me say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Here it is. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will, here's what it does. It guards your heart and your mind. So, so the reality is that peacemaking isn't only external, it's also internal. Pe peacemaking isn't just be nice to your brother or be nice to your neighbor or be nice to those you disagree with. It's, it's, also, it's also a heart reality because the peace of God guards, puts up a line of defense around your heart. So when Jesus is referencing peacemaking, he's not talking about simply conforming your external practices to being nice. He's, he's getting at a, a deeper level here to say it's not just your actions, it's also your heart. I'm after your heart. Why? Because the cultural drift, and it's not really a drift, it's becoming the tidal wave, is about creating peace by controlling external actions and outward activities but they can do nothing for the heart can I give an example I will it doesn't matter who the president is there's always a moment where somebody from Israel 
and somebody from an Arab nation are brought together, usually at Camp David. I don't even know where that's at. Usually at Camp David. And they sign, what, a peace agreement or peace treaty. This is, un- this is not uncommon. This happens all the time. They shake hands, they wave, they take pictures, they probably eat something nice. But we all know the reality. It's really not an eternal peace. It is a temporary truce to stop bombing one another. But it's only a matter of time before somebody, whether intentional or not, launches something on one of the other sides and they are now no longer at peace. They sign a peace truce, but it's not eternal. Jesus isn't after peace truces. Jesus is after you making peace for eternity. Jesus isn't about just having a simple document that you've agreed to. Here's another example, because that may not have hit home. You have an argument at work. And when you have an argument at work, your tendency naturally is to go to the HR department and file a grievance or complaint, which is fine. Human resources, as if we're machines, but we have these human resources department to help us conflate and fix the conflict. And so, so you come, and now HR is sitting down with the two parties that are offended against one another, trying to figure out how they can find a win-win, and at some point it's just saying, can you just be nice to one another? But yet there's still going to be potentially resentment in your heart or in the other person's heart against the other party. That's not the peace that Jesus is talking about. This happens in marriages. This happens with kids. This happens with relatives. This happens with neighbors. This happens with political parties. But we all know that when the culture pursues peace like that, it's temporary. It is not. It does not fix anything. Blessed are the peacemakers. So peace is setting the stage for you here. The peace is much bigger than, than what you originally perceived it to be. Now, so it begs a second question. Did you know that peace is possible? See, could I just set it up to, for you to feel like peace is impossible? Then why even, why even have these agreements? Why even have these treaties if peace is impossible? Thanks a lot for that encouragement today. Did you know peace is possible? Jesus wouldn't have told you to make peace if it wasn't possible. Peace is possible when righteousness is present. Only righteousness can produce the relational environment that brings two parties together. There's no other way peace can be produced. People can stop fighting without righteousness. But only with righteousness Will they be and live peaceably forever? You can stop fighting with your brother because you're both bloodied and beat up and you should see the other guy. And you can stop fighting because you're exhausted, but that doesn't mean you have peace. It just means you stop fighting. So yeah, there's peace, but it's not the eternal peace that Jesus is speaking to. It's not the peacemaking of which he's referring to. This is why you have to see this. You actually can make peace. Peace. Otherwise, he, he wouldn't have said, blessed are the peacemakers. 
peace creators. The first place of righteousness is between you and God. When you sin before the holy God, it created a separation between the two of you and the wages or the payment of that of that sin is death, but the gift of God through Jesus Christ is eternal life. So the reality is that peace is made between you and the Father through Jesus. But then peace can be made between you and your wife or your husband, you and your kids, between you and your coworkers, your group, your Sunday school group, that, that, there, there can be a, 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 a moment of tension there too. The peace can be made. Your neighbors. I mean, what if I told you that the Jews and the Arabs could, could actually have peace together if they were righteous? The same would be true with black and white and now Asian, which has been existing for some time, and, and, and all kinds of other races and the rich and the, the poor. Yes, even the Republican and the Democrats. The, the husband and wife, the, the family, the kids, the grandkids, even your in-laws. Any two groups of people that might be at odds, there can be peace. It can be made. But it happens through the next question. How do we then obtain peace? I'm glad you asked. Jesus makes it clear that peace doesn't just happen existentially. You don't just scratch off a lotto ticket and it says, you now have peace. You don't just stumble upon it. You don't just find it like a four-leaf clover. You, you don't just find, oh, look at what I found. In my, it's like the, the hidden french fry in the bottom of the bag when you're driving on the road, and all of a sudden you reach down and they're empty, but then all of a sudden in the crevice of the bag, you find one more fry. That's not how peace is found. Peace has to be formed. Peace has to be made. Peace never just happens on its own in a world full of sin. Are you surprised? What did we think? And there are those who want to wage peace, but they're doing it absent of righteousness. Do you, you know what happens naturally in our world? Angst. Hostility. Being easily offended. Oh, man, it is so easy to be offended these days. I don't even know what I'm supposed to be offended about now. Just offended by it all. Easily offending. Do you know how easy it is for my words to offend multiple ladies in my home? It's not what you say, Dad, but it's your tone. That's what one of mine said this week. This is my life. <laughs> Bitterness. Yeah, shame, shame. Bitterness. You, you, know what the greatest, you know what the greatest threat to peace is in our world today? It's really not hard. Sin. Man, why do we have all these issues? Sin. Sin separates men from God, but sin also separates man from man. Sin creates strife and drama so peace how do we obtain peace it's got to be made okay so then how is peace made here's what james 3 says 318 it says this and the fruit of righteousness is sown 
in peace, by those who cultivate peace. So how is peace cultivated? Peace is cultivated by sowing righteousness. Follow me here. Peace is made by planting or sowing righteousness with wisdom that is gentle and is reasonable, but is also unwavering. Sowing righteousness, you sow righteousness. If you want peace, how is peace made? You sow righteousness with wisdom that is gentle, that is reasonable, but is also unwavering. James is saying here in chapter 3, verse 18, I think, James is saying that whatever you sow, you reap. Whatever's in the ground is going to come out of the ground. You're to sow righteousness. And when you sow righteousness, peace is a product or a fruit of that righteousness. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be filled, right? You can only make peace by sowing righteousness with wisdom, with gentleness, with reasonableness, and unwavering. You don't shove peace down somebody's throat. You sign this, and then we'll have peace. Right? You, you be nice to your brother. In our world, sometimes it's, hey, you hold hands with your sister that you've been arguing with for the last hour all the way to that store in public. Right? <laughs> you are gentle. You don't be rude about it. You don't have some agenda. Agenda? You're, you're just gentle. Hey. You're reasonable. That means you don't take the position that you're always right. And if everybody would just listen to you and do everything the way you do it, everything would be much better. You're reasonable. Hey, you know what? I, I may have made a mistake here. You're unwavering, though. That means you don't divert from what is right and wrong. You're you stand by what is true. And I think there's a lot of confusion among God's people today in the church because we've not We've, we've wavered. And I think we're coming to a time where we've got to be unwavering. That doesn't mean we're rude about it. We just say, no, no, this is where I stand on things. This is what I believe. This is what God's word says. This is what I believe. But at some point, you do have to go to some people and say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. I love you. I will always love you. What you're doing is wrong. You've got to stop doing that. You sow righteousness with gentleness. Here, here's, my, here's my point. Righteousness precedes peace. I mean, goodness, it's beatitude number four. Before you get to the peacemaking, you have to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Before you ever have peace, there's got to be righteousness sown. How do you make peace? You sow righteousness. Someone becomes righteous, they are more likely to have peace. Someone who is unrighteousness, has unrighteous, they're not going to have peace. So you don't focus your making of peace, you focus on righteousness, and peace is therefore the byproduct of righteousness. Galatians 2, I mean Galatians 5, 22. The fruit of the Spirit. So this is when you are somebody who's trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have now the Holy Spirit inside of you, there's going to be some fruit produced. Christians produce fruit. A disciple of Jesus produces fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Yeah, yeah, just pass peace. Peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control, above which there is no law. So notice in that list, righteousness wasn't on that list. Why? Because when you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are righteous. And when it's produced out of you, the fruit that's produced out of you 
are these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control. Before you ever have those things, you've got to be righteous. Before you can ever have love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and gentleness, and self-control. You can try all those things in your own effort, but you fail every time. The culture is a, a documentary on that. But when you have sown righteousness, what is produced out of us is this fruit. Many Christians are simply living with brokenness and anxiety and trouble and hostility towards one another, hostility towards the world. Don't, don't be hostile to the world. They're, 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 you're giving, here's, here's how lovely we are often as Christians. We give each other the silent treatment. I mean, we're like five. We're Christians. Well, I, 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 I just don't know if I can talk to them anymore. I'm done talking with them. Is that is that how righteousness is pursued? That's called hostility. So let's take a test. Don't you love tests? I don't. But it's easy. If I, if I want to produce corn, what do, I, what do I plant? Ooh, you are confident today. <laughs> if I want to plant potatoes, and I want, I want potatoes to be eaten, what do I plant? Potatoes, okay, all right, we're going to get there. If I want grapes, what do I plant? Grapes, there we go. Just don't get them fermented, we'll be fine. If I want peace, what do I plant? Righteousness. First service said peace. Y'all did good. If I want peace, I don't plant peace, I plant righteousness, and out of righteousness produces this fruit of peace. How is peace made? Righteousness precedes peace. So I sow, I sow righteousness with peace, and it now cultivates out of me this fruit of peace. So the world is trying to find peace through all the wrong places. They've gone to treaties, they've gone to, to treatments, they've gone to all these different things. But in the end, the only way for you to have peace is for righteousness to be planted in your heart. You cannot plant peace. You can only plant righteousness. And out of that, a fruit is produced. So what is a peacemaker? A few questions. In addition, I added some questions under the question. What is peace? What is a peacemaker? What, what is it that a disciple of Jesus Christ should be doing? So, so let me ask a different question. I think it's the better question. I could have just made this one question the only question. What is peacemaking in a lost culture? What is it? Evangelism. See, I think we've come to a place, I think we've come to a place in, a, in the Western Christianity, Western church. We, we know the plan of salvation, but we do not know the gospel. We know the Roman road. We know the ABCs. We know how to tell somebody how they can get saved, but we have not allowed the gospel to take residence in our heart. We're really good at the these four things to do, but we're really bad about actually living out those things. If a non-Christian cannot have peace, which therefore they do not have righteousness, then the only peacemaking we ought to be doing as non-Christians, uh, as Christians to non-Christians, is to share how they can become righteous. 
How, how can you become righteous? Only through acknowledging that you have sinned against God. Only through believing that only through him are you saved. Only, only, only through you confessing that Jesus is Lord. Not that you are Lord. Not that he can have some of, your Lord, of the lordship. No, that he is completely Lord of your life. You've surrendered your life to him. And then, then, and only then will the Holy Spirit come into your heart and you are saved. You are quickened and you now are righteous. He made him who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become what? The righteousness of God. The only way, someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, the only way for a lost and dying world to have peace is for them to become evangelized. You want, you want the culture changed? It doesn't happen through presidencies. It doesn't happen through policies. It doesn't happen through good thoughts and good vibes sent to you. Whatever that means. You want to see the human trafficking issue gone? You, you want to see abortion no longer an option? You, you, want, to see, you, you want to see hostility? You want to see... You want to see proper immigration? You, you want to see care for those who are crossing the border? You want to see a pagan culture that is hostile? You want to see a pagan culture that is, that is gone with the anxiety? Jesus tells us, come to me. I bring the rest. What is our main weapon to wage the war of peace in our land? Sharing the gospel. For Rock Hill to make a dent in this world in Henderson County and beyond, we have to get serious about sharing our faith. We ought to get serious about communicating with words. Hey, did you know that God loves you? Has anybody told you that God loves you today? And they may say, no. And you say, well, I am God loves you. And they may say, how do you know that? Well, two reasons. One, he has said in his word that he loves us. God loves the world in this way that whoever believes in him, right? He sent Jesus, his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. That's one way. But secondly, I've seen it in my own life. And you say, well, my life hadn't been perfect. But I've seen Jesus with me. All the way. They say, well, that's your testimony. They say, well, let me tell you a testimony about my friend. And you begin to tell stories about those that are in your circle of friends and how God has been faithful, even in the middle of hardship. You say, hey, hey, has anybody prayed for you today? I know it's awkward, but you have a name on your tag, and, and my name is Michael, and what is your, I see your name. Can I pray for you as I walk out of this door? Can I pray for you about anything? And watch what God does. Rock Hill is the only institution, part of the church, that God himself has created for the purpose of sharing the good news. It's no offense to any other parachurch ministry. We need them. But the church exists to proclaim, or as the King James says, herald, not a guy named Harold, but herald the good news to make known. So let me, let me get a little 
in your business. When's the last time you articulated the good news of the gospel to an unbeliever? We can look at verse 9 and go, oh yeah, we should be peacemakers. We can look at the, the solution alone for the world and say, yeah, we need to share the gospel, but we don't actually believe that until we're sharing it. Truth is not in just what we say, but it's also in what we do. And as pastor of this church, I feel like over the last year, because of a myriad of reasons, the flame of evangelism has just been turned a little bit down. And I'm asking, let's turn it up. May Rock Hill say, my job is to herald the good news. We've got stacks of cards. Stacks. And this isn't even sharing the gospel. But it's a first step. Some of you are really intimidated about sharing the gospel. All you got to do is just invite somebody. Just, just, hey, we got stacks. We've had them for several weeks. And guess how many stacks we have? Stacks. All you got to do is take it. Even if your neighbor lives four miles away, just, hey, hey, I just put this in your mailbox. You're invited. We love you. Love to have you come. I don't know my neighbors. This is awkward. I've lived here for a year. I don't know my neighbor's name. It's okay. It's a great opportunity to go, hey, I don't know your name because I'm a horrible neighbor. What's your name? My name's so-and-so. I want to invite you to come to church. This is not sharing the gospel, but it's a step. So if you're totally intimidated. But then secondly, I think you should begin to pray every day. Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody today and see what God does. Here's what happens in my world. When I pray that, I often have that opportunity to come and I miss it because I'm, I'm whatever. I'm not engaged mentally. So then I begin to pray, not only God, give me an opportunity to share the gospel today, but God, help me be aware when you present an opportunity for me to present the gospel that I take advantage of it and present the gospel and see what God does. Why are they blessed? Last question. Blessed are the peacemakers, so those who make peace, they will be called sons and, and daughters of God. They'll be called sons and daughters of God. Jesus came to make peace. And when you are saved, you are now his child. To all those who would confess Jesus as Lord, he gives them the right to be called his children. You now have an eternal father. Those of us that are the sons and daughters of God, we then are peacemakers, just like God has made peace with us so we can make peace with anybody. If you are a peacemaker, it's evidence that you're a Christian. Here's what Hebrews 13 says. Pursue peace with everyone and holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Your responsibility in the church is to pursue peace with some the ones I get along with, the ones that are like me, the ones that are nice to me. No, 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 no. Everyone. 
John 13, 35 says this, by this the world will know that you are my disciples when you love one another. So the way that we display that we're followers of Jesus is how we care for one another. It's why groups really are important. You know you've, and you're a son or a daughter, you know you are with confidence when you're a peacemaker. And how do we make peace? Righteousness. How do we help others become righteous? Evangelism. And I think it's time for us to step up. And this last year, it's been a year, a doozy of a year. The tendency for us has become a little bit more self-preoccupied. And I think, the, I think here's how this has played out. We, we go to a place and say, how dare they make me wear that? Or we go to a place and say, how dare they don't make me wear that? Or now we're at a new debate, how dare they get that shot versus how dare they don't get that shot. And now we just are coming and forming all these different tribes and, and we create these little groups that are just at odds with one another and the devil smiles. Have you shared the gospel? Have you received the gospel? Maybe for you. Have you reconciled with somebody? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Will you pray with me, Father, we come now. And Lord, there are some in this room that have never trusted in you. There's some online right now who need to pray with somebody. May they right now reach out online just to write pray. But here in this room, they're struggling with it. They're holding fast to whatever they're dealing with. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would deal fully with us today. You, you, you wouldn't let us leave until we have dealt with the business that you have on our hearts. But Lord, I'm asking that right now there would be a sense of uh, righteousness being sown in this room. And Lord, as um, some of us are under conviction because we've not shared the gospel, would we maybe ask you to reveal to us somebody that we can share the gospel with but some of us there's been a name coming to our mind would you give us the courage to share god we love you we thank you for what we get to do here at rock hill but lord we know that the task is not done because we're not with you and you've not returned yet there is still work to be done here so lord we're asking that we would respond well this morning in jesus name